All right, here we are, Friday, April 8th, 2022. RSL back at home, just briefly, between a pair of two-game road trips. You had the loss in Kansas City, the Rocky Mountain Cup draw in Denver. This weekend, RSL hosting Toronto FC, 6 o'clock kickoff in Sandy on Saturday night. And then the next couple weeks, back out on the road at New York City FC, at Portland later today, we will find out the Open Cup draw uh, for a game that will be played between the New York City FC and Portland trips. Hopefully, that game will be here at Rio Tinto Stadium against a lower division opponent, maybe New Mexico United, maybe the team from Northern Colorado, maybe Phoenix Rising. So, obviously, as guys come back from injury, that'll dictate – Pablo Mastroeni's uh, roster turnover decisions for that Open Cup game. But on today's edition of Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, we'll talk about all that stuff. We'll look back at, at Colorado. We'll look ahead to Toronto. We'll talk to the grass whisperer, Dan Farns, about all the cool things he's dealing with as winter turns to spring, turns to summer. RSL spending a lot of time on the road now, but there will be a glut of home games coming up in May, June, and July. Hopefully RSL will continue racking up points both home and away as we get into it on this week's edition, Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, brought to you by One Wire Fire. All right, your host, Trey Fitzgerald here alongside Ryan Hale. Ryan, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you saw in Colorado Saturday night. Uh, For me, being there on the ground, um, it was a bit of a maybe a frustrating match, a little bit tension-filled, obviously. Rocky Mountain Cup carrying some extra weight. But um, overall, I think getting a point on the road is good. As Robin Fraser said, Uh, Pablo comes in with half a team. That was Robin's words because of all the injuries. You had a 17-year-old center back in Haziel Orozco. You had, um, obviously, uh, the hardship call-ups in Pierre Reedy and Bobby Pierre getting called in. Pierre Reedy actually making his MLS debut, the seventh player to make his RSL debut uh, this year, some of which have been uh, homegrown kids, as we've seen with uh, Bodie Davis and Haziel Orozco, among others. But um, I think maybe simultaneously happy to get a point, but also frustrating maybe to not get the full three. Obviously, Ted Uncle uh, did not give the penalty on an early Sergio Cordova takedown in the box, but did get uh, the call right with Justin Miram getting clipped from behind to create that Pablo Ruiz goal. Um, I think you'd like uh, a, the defensive organization back on the goal that was allowed to Colorado. Zach McMath came up big. And, and look, um, Cole Yarborough, the the um, the Colorado keeper, obviously he came up big late on a Sergio Cordova chance that, uh, you know, was, was really a great, probably the best chance that RSL had in the box. But anyway, what were your impressions of that match? Yeah, well, I think it's it's uh, the idea of being frustrated with that game kind of speaks to a little bit of a, I'll say, privilege here as RSL fans. Yeah, Thinking standards like, yeah, and expectations. Here, here we yeah. go to Colorado. This shouldn't be a problem. But 
that that idea that like looking at this roster, I'm just I just pulled it up as we're doing this. I'm like, this is a roster that there's. I mean, the the lineup from this game is just one that like. I don't recognize this as an RSL like necessarily because it's all new guys. It's uh, people playing different positions. It's it's a, it's amazing. This team is still like that's what I was thinking about this this club. It's like this the first few games have been kind of all over the board with like what are we seeing, what are we getting from this club. But like when this team is back to full strength, the depth of it is going to be insane because yeah, when you're talking about like Orozco, like playing uh, this guy is legit, man. He was having a game of his. I mean that. It, I looking at I just pulled it up his 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 page. He was born in two thousand four. <laughs> I mean, this is like, <laughs> but just seeing how put together and how a complete a player he is right now, and you know, everybody keeps kind of keeps uh, comparing him to um, Mascherano, uh, Mascherano, but the uh, Salcedo. Oh yeah, uh, Carlos Salcedo. Which yeah. I think that people that were here back in those days when yeah. we saw uh, Salcedo pulling for when it, was he did he come in for injured borchers is that when he yeah stays? it was borchers and Schuler injuries and so and he was yep. playing next to was he playing next to olave back then who was he um, playing next to or winger maybe was the i'm trying to remember the center back but i remember just scenes it was very similar i don't know if you can remember back then but but seeing this guy come in the the you know this young kid come in and like play out of his mind that's kind of the same getting the same feeling but um just let me point out a couple other things i, I think that like we spent so much time focused on Tate Schmidt yep. and his uh, and his uh, playing, you know, scoring those goals, and then feeling like I heard someone telling me that they were disappointed that he wasn't playing well. But I'm like, where was he playing in this game? You know, he was playing in the back, and he was playing very well in the back. You know, so um, <clears throat> lots of things there. Cordova is Cordova's special. I think that yeah. we're seeing that. Um, I love that Michael Chang is. I, I keep saying dangerous Michael Chang. The Chang. That's always the way I think about him. Is um, I just feel like when he finds his spot specifically, it's he's as good as anybody in MLS, really. Like, honestly, I can't – that's maybe overstating, like, what does he bring to this? I don't think there's any club that's putting him as, like, their go-to, like, forward. But yeah. I've seen him play 100 games already, and it's like I – every time I've seen him with the ball, I can – like, I I know he's got something dangerous in him. And then just a couple other ones. Caldwell is still, you know, sure. like, this is a guy that shouldn't be on this, you know, like – if this team is playing at full strength, we don't see Caldwell, but he's playing in a, in a way that's um, <clears throat> that he's he feels like he fits there. And then McMath, like McMath, McMath shouldn't be right. getting these these games, and he's having this is the best we're seeing the best of his career too right now. I'm like it's it's incredible. Yeah, and and I mean I'm just gonna parrot things I've heard Pablo say about those guys. Like I think uh, Michael Chang and Pablo Ruiz are kind of the unsung heroes of this season. Obviously. Tate Schmidt, another guy that's stepped up huge. Uh, you pointed out Zach McMath and Scott Caldwell. Like everybody is filling their role, and the chemistry is good. The vibes are good. Everybody's bought into Pablo, and that was kind of Robin Fraser's point to me last weekend in Colorado. But as this team gets healthier, obviously we saw Demir Krylock come back uh, each of the last two games coming off the bench. He played 26 minutes, I think, in Denver. Um, Rubio Rubin did not play in Denver, but did play 11 minutes in Kansas City, so he's coming back. Hopefully this week against Toronto, maybe you see Bobby Wood and Aaron Herrera back in the mix. Maybe not starting, but maybe coming off the bench. We'll see what the game state is um, in the next few weeks. Hopefully, you know, Justin Glad comes back and you know, I think there is going to be an opportunity when the Open Cup run starts, uh, when you're back, you know, having games fast and furious home and away 
in May and June, having all these guys, like 23 guys have played for this team already this year in the first six games. So everybody's engaged. There's been a handful of guys that have played all six games. There's been another handful of guys that have played five out of six. You know, Justin Miram has been starting, but when does he get back to kind of his super sub role that he really thrived on late last year? Cordova, you mentioned, he becomes more and more comfortable every training session, every game. And Pablo's talked a little bit about what it takes to like assimilate when you're coming into a new league from a, from a different culture. You know, this is a Venezuelan guy who's been playing in Germany and he loves it here. He loves this locker room. He's almost in tears, even when the team wins and he doesn't score, he's like, what could I have done more to help affect uh, the team's chances and Pablo's explaining to him like you did help us win just because you didn't score doesn't mean you were like worthless uh, in terms of us grabbing these three points or this one road point I guess the last point I want to make uh, before we get to our man Dan Farns is how cool is it I guess and maybe I've said this in different ways to me one of the silver linings of the injuries is that it's coming at a time where we're six out of nine or nine out of 15 games on the road. So you're not expected to get that many points anyway. And with the fact that we are getting points, we've gotten results in five out of the first six games. Obviously, we've got opportunity for another three uh, huge three points this weekend against Toronto. As guys get healthier, I mean, we've already got, what, four Sorry, five road points in four games. We only had we only had fourteen road points in seventeen games all of last year. So um, when we do get to full strength, um, and look, injuries are part of the game, and and there are some people who have said, look, we got pretty lucky with injuries last year. We were healthy for a lot of the year, and certainly during the playoff run. So then you have a five week uh, off season, the shortest in club history. Um, maybe that's a contributing factor. The bottom line is there's no one single magic bullet that can account for all these injury woes. Some have happened in training. Some have happened in games. Uh, Jasper Loffelson just had his hamstring cramp up on the plane back from Kansas City, and it ends up cramping so bad that it that it tears some of the muscle. And is that nutrition? Is that hydration? Is that spending a lot of time on turf in the Portland preseason tournament? Is it, you know, him coming straight off a of college season into the combines and him just not having a break at all? Like nobody, I'm sure there are medical people that have their um, ideas about what's happening, but nobody knows exactly what, because for all of these, I don't know, 12 or 13 players that have been hurt at some point uh, between December 4th of last year when we lost in Portland and now there have been different contributing factors in each athlete's uh, story and look the bottom line is they all want to play they're all working their butts off to get back out on the field and uh, you know we kind of have joked about the next man up thing but um, it's what's happening and that's why the young guys have gotten the chances and have succeeded whether that's Bodie Davis Haziel Orozco, um, Tate Schmidt, you know, who's a guy that I think 
in in January or February, people thought, oh, he's going to probably play a lot for the Monarchs this year. And and he leads the league in game winning goals. So um, with two in his in his first four weeks, now it's two in his first six. So anyway, um, we'll talk a little more about the Toronto game and and the the Open Cup draw and the road ahead on the other side. But coming up next, right here on Bleeding Claret and Cobal, is the man, the myth, the legend. And I say that about a lot of people, but I really mean it about Dan Farns, the grass whisperer. Hey guys, uh, Ryan and I love bringing you this content uh, multiple times per week or per month, and we couldn't do it without Adam Sessions at OneWire, and we really want you to experience the level of customer service that Adam and all of his colleagues at OneWire provide their clients, their uh, business partners, their constituents. So. Um, if you're not a business owner, tell your boss to uh, uh, upgrade their voice and their business communications by going over to onewire.co and check out all the services uh, that OneWire has to offer. Adam's a big soccer fan. We've converted the whole office into uh, supporters of RSL. And um, we just ask that you, if you have any opportunity whatsoever uh, in your business, your family's business, um, or your, you know, in your circle of, of influence to uh, refer OneWire because uh, there is no doubt in my mind that they'll be able to handle all of your uh, voice communications and uh, other business uh, tech needs. So go over again to the number one wire.co and you can see the uh, depth and breadth of options available. So that's it for our proud partner, OneWire. All right, we're back. It's been it's been a while. I don't think it's been quite a year, but it's been probably just under a year since we had Dan Farns come hang out with us on the pod. And Dan, uh, thank you as always for your time. Obviously, we're at a juncture now where winter is turning to spring, and spring's about to turn to summer. And I think you're probably glad we haven't had a ton of home games uh, in February and March here at Rio Tinto Stadium. Yeah, it's been crazy. I mean, when when was the last time we just had Real here at the stadium? Yeah, it's been several years, right? Yeah, before the Monarchs, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. So we've yeah we've had a lot of extra time to do projects that we've had on the list for years and yeah. years and years. So in that regard, it's been nice. But you know, as a soccer guy, I'd <laughs> I'd love to see more games here. Yeah. So you've had um you've had the grow tarps on periodically in between the the two March games and now here we are early April and you get another three week break after this game as the the weather's starting to turn, although we're gonna have an eighty degree day this weekend and I think right. we're supposed to get a little snow and rain maybe middle of next week. But um I guess just kind of give the listeners an idea of what those weather, the volatile weather weather patterns, and what these kind of ch- crazy changes in the spring uh, mean for that beautiful uh, pitch out there at Rio yeah. Tinto. Well, we were unlucky in the fact that the the sub air heating system went down. Okay. Uh, this off season, um, that's something that's pretty vital for us to play games in. Shoot, it was as early as we've we've had here for a long time in March. Yeah. Um, but luckily we were able to get those grow tarps down. 
Um, and again, those help just trap heat it underneath them for the grass and the roots to grow. Um, but yeah, it's been kind of up and down with temperatures, but we've been really lucky, uh, just with myself and the crew, just, uh, working hard to, to get the grass growing and woken up after, after this winter. So yeah, you, you kind of referenced it, but a year ago at this time, you're juggling Vancouver and RSL. Right. And you were also maintaining the, the AFF field here in Sandy, uh, for Vancouver, which used to be the Royals practice field. Um, hopefully the Royals will come back at some point in the future. Um, is it about time for uh, the stadium pitch to to get replaced as well? Yeah, uh, we're trying to push for that for this off season. Okay, just since the the season ends a little bit earlier. Yeah, because of the World Cup. Yeah, I mean uh, MLS Cup isn't until November fourth, which is about a month earlier than normal. So you will have a little bit longer off season. Yeah. than we've had in quite some time. Yeah, and we always plan for hosting that final. Yeah. So of course, uh, renovations would start um, there soon after in November. And if if Ryan Smith and David Blitzer do approve uh, that expense, which there's no reason to think that they won't because of their commitment to fan experience and really upgrading many, many different pieces of the stadium, things people see, people things people don't see, um, what's that process like? How long does that take? Where does the grass come from? I know in the past, I think this would be the third field in, in yeah. stadium history. Yep. In the past, I think the first two times we did get our grass from a farm in Colorado. Right. Um, are we going to stick with that or are we upgrading technologically and how that grass works? We're, we're trying to stay away from Colorado as much as possible. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, no, we, we are working with a really great, uh, newer sod farm okay. up in Idaho, Cool. Uh, up by kind of burly Declo area called raft river sod. Mm. We've been working with them for about two years, just trying to develop, uh, the exact uh, varieties of grass that we were looking oh, for. Okay. Um, so that will be, yeah, they've been great to work with. Um, what that schedule would look like is depending on what's approved, we're kind of pushing for a hydronics heating system into the field, mm. which is something that a lot of the fields in the U S are going to. And that's different than sub air, obviously. It is. It would work in tandem with the sub air. Oh. So sub air is just a forced air heating system mm -hmm. that we can push hot air or we can use the vacuum to, to suck water down. Um, the hydronic system would go in like 10 inches underneath the ground. And it's just like how you would heat your driveways or sidewalks or Got whatever. It. It's like coil system, basically. Yeah, exactly. It's a PEX coil okay. uh, heating system that you just run heated liquid through. Mm. So it's more of a, a consistent heating okay. for the whole field. Yeah. Instead of with sub air, it was a little tricky. Um, I think I've talked about it before, but it wasn't as efficient as, as we'd like. So... Yeah, do so we need to tell the story would. about Bill Manning and Jason Kreiss uh, <laughs> forcing the sub air to melt snow and effectively burning the field back for, in the CONCACAF days, 2010-11? Um, I, I don't remember that. I yeah. blocked it from my... Good for you. <laughs> no. no it's, um, so, yeah, construction would start in November. Um, we'd go through till the spring, um, and we'd have to kind of 
work with the league a little bit yeah, to have a few extra road games maybe yeah. to begin, especially if the if the league's going to begin in late February, early March, right? Which is probably to be expected, right? Um, hopefully, we don't have to do eight straight road games like Nashville did this year before they open their stadium here May first, right? RSL, the second visitor uh, to that new stadium in Nashville on May 8th, but apparently they still have a lot of work to do in the next few weeks. Yeah, for sure. And that's tough. That's a tough timeline, but yeah, I know the guy over there and right he's, he's killing it. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, um, I guess, tell us a little bit about what are your other, obviously this summer, hopefully we have an open cup run. Uh, we might have either a men's or women's national team game. We might have some international exhibitions. What, what is kind of the ideal balance? And I know it's kind of a fine line for you and your crew uh, to manage. Um, like you said, you're a soccer guy, so you love seeing all these games. But what is what is too much wear and tear on a on a pitch like this? I think uh, the grass, the bluegrass that we have, take would be able to handle a lot, a lot more than what we have. Mm. Now, don't tell like the schedulers that, but <laughs> um, we want to keep the surface as nice as possible for Real, yeah, and, yeah. and especially if we have international teams coming in sure. or, or any U.S. team. Um, but people sometimes kind of think that I'm a little stingy with the field, like I don't yeah. want events. Right. I'm kind of the opposite of that, where I would welcome events because it's a challenge for us to to get through. So. I always say just bring it on. Like if we're going to have a U.S. or an international friendly or open cup games, I think I think the field can handle a lot and probably a lot more than than what people think for sure. Um, I'm trying to think. I had a couple of places I wanted to go from here. So what um, – sorry – Got distracted looking for the open cup draw because um, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I have a special rooting interest that of we, get fan, we get to play uh, New Mexico United at some point here in the open cup. But um, so with with the wear and tear, with you know, um, we saw just a field recently in Colorado that really looked bad, both in person and in on TV and I saw you answering some questions on Twitter. We don't know what their programming has been. We don't know what that load has been like. We don't know um right. exactly what like weather situations, although I think Colorado has a very has had a very volatile swing with seventy and eighty degree days and snowstorms like they probably haven't seen in the city in a couple years, right? So the other issue is POA. So can you kind of just explain to people, obviously, how when guys come back from road trips and they're, if they don't clean their cleats, like where the POA comes from and how resistant or how much work is it for you and your crew to kind of um, protect the pitch? Yeah. No, it's the toughest thing that we have to, to uh, deal with on the agronomic side of the field. Um, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. Um you saw in that that Colorado game that there were patches of like neon green grass there. Uh, their poa infestation is a little bit different than what we have here. Okay, you you will notice some here on the field. We we try and get rid of as much as we can. It's it's mostly just unsightly. Yeah, 
but the roots for Poa just don't go down as deep as uh, as we would like bluegrass to go down. Okay. So that's the main reason why we don't want it. Um, you can spray for it, but the best thing to do is just to be able to dig it out, unfortunately. And then once it gets into a field, it, it just spreads like crazy. So unfortunately, when we redid the field six years ago, that sod that we got from Colorado mm-hmm. was already infested with. Oh, uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So we've been battling it for six years since wow. then. Okay. Um, and that's, that's something that every uh, groundskeeper has to deal with yeah. is, is POA. So, and it does transfer really easily and we gotta, we have to be really careful with teams coming from AFF to the stadium because AFF has, has a lot of POA as well. So, um, that reminds me, I did see another tweet of yours where you were holding up kind of a root sample. Oh yeah. It kind of explained that. I didn't know exactly what I was looking at there. Yeah. So we have a soil profiler that uh, cuts down into the root zone about six to eight inches. Mm-hmm. So you can you push it into the ground and then you pull it back up and there's one side that opens. And you can look uh, at the soil structure. You can look at any layering that you have. And then you can see where the roots are going. Okay. Now... The roots, unlike that second picture I yeah. posted, you could see were coming out of the of the profiler itself, which is which is really good. That's what we want to see. We want to see those deep roots. Yeah. We want to see nice, thick, healthy roots down there. Sure. And that's what we were seeing. So good. yeah, luckily. yeah. Uh, Dan at Dan Farnsey, F A R N. S-E-Y. S-E-Y. Yeah. <laughs> uh on Twitter. Great follow. Always, not just on game days, but uh, obviously throughout the week. And you and your crew obviously do an awesome, awesome job. Um, I guess the last question for me, and Ryan may want to pop in here uh, if I don't hit all the right notes, but um, I guess just give us a sense. Like, okay, here we are. We're we're 36 hours, let's say, uh, from kickoff on Saturday night. Uh, typical Friday, the team is training on the on the stadium, 10:30, 11 o'clock on that pitch. Um, I guess walk us through what the next 48 hours look like uh, for you and your staff. Yeah, um, it gets a little crazy. Um, even this morning, I had a guy call in sick, so. Mm. Um, now do you mow and paint before training? Yes. We actually painted once yesterday. Okay. Just because, um, the grass grew so much that the lines had disappeared from the last game. Got it. So we'll put down kind of a base layer before training. Yeah. Um, and then we'll paint again on game day. Um, just because I like the look of those bright, fresh white lines. How, how many hours before kick do you paint on game day? We'll come in probably 10 o'clock, 10 or 11, okay. depending on what the weather looks like. And how long does it take to paint the field? It, these newer painters, it takes hour and a half, okay, maybe two hours to do it, yeah, after cleanup and everything. Um, and then what's the mowing schedule like? So I've been mowing all week long leading up to the game. Um, probably mowed it three times. Okay. Um, that's, that's just to keep the grass at that three quarters of an inch. Yeah. Um, and to burn the pattern in okay. as well. So yeah, I was going to, when do you pick what pattern you want to go with for a particular match? It just depends on how I'm feeling that yeah. week. And okay. Nice. No, it's, 
it, that's kind of a fun thing that we can mess with a little bit. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure there are league parameters that kind of box you in a little bit there. There are, um, they want it to look like, like a typical EPL game, uh, that striping. Okay. Uh, it's kind of FIFA mandated. Yeah. So a top that's uh, each penalty box and then five yard increments inside of that. Yeah, exactly. In the middle third. So I try and get away with it a little bit, yeah. but, yeah. um, I know the diagonal uh, patterns have always been very popular in the past. I love the diagonal, but yeah. they throw the referees off, and then, <laughs> right. and then we get screwed at home. Just right. kidding, right? <laughs> but it, it not only does it is it look be- does it look better, but it helps keep the grass healthy to switch yeah. up the patterns. Um, what kind of input do you get from from Pablo and his staff, or typically a head coach in the past? Do they tell you, you know, they want the length a certain way for a certain opponent? Does that change the water schedule? I know I always get asked um, when new people are coming to MLS games, whether it's on turf or grass, like, why are they watering five minutes before kick? Or why are they watering at halftime? Can you kind of go through that for everybody? Yeah, number number one question I'm always asked is why we water uh, before kickoff. Um, uh, We we do that so the ball – rolls fast or runs fast um team likes teams and our team like it to to be as fast as possible um that's honestly that's something we might have to adjust this year just with with our water situation yeah drought restrictions yeah um that's something that we are really really uh aware of yeah so that's something that we might have to discuss with the coaching staff but um they've been great Really, no change in between opponents. We okay. keep the field yeah. pretty much. Yeah, we play our way, right? Yeah. Right. We we'll keep it to how the coach likes it for for any opponent, uh, and then we keep those standards for any game. Yeah. If it's a international, if it's high school, if it's whatever. Awesome. So. Yeah, there are a bunch of high school championships happening here this year. Right. Obviously, the new UYSA deal gives some state cup uh, championship For game sure. opportunities to come to various uh, Real Salt Lake facilities. So uh, obviously, going to be a busy summer for you and your yeah. guys. I think when we get into the fall, we should have you on again and and, and get an update on uh, that new pitch situation cool. and the yeah. sub air, the, the coiled heating systems, uh, yeah. all the fun stuff that uh, the Blitzer Group and the Smith Entertainment Group are are planning for for us and our club. They've been great, man. Yeah, yeah. They've they've really been supportive of things that were that that, that had been needed. <laughs> yeah, for the field to kind of keep up. Sure. Uh, with well, the field's part of the building, and I know the commissioner and everybody else said, "Hey, this building needed some love." and Obviously, we got through the pandemic. We got through the ownership change. We've gotten yeah. through a lot in the last few years. And um, thanks for stopping by. Thanks for obviously making this place such a, a pristine experience to to come to a game. I know we got twenty thousand. Hopefully, our third straight sellout coming against Toronto. Yeah, that's something that hasn't um, that <laughs> hasn't awesome. uh, you know happened in I think since twenty fifteen yeah. maybe uh, where we where we were able to have a couple 20k sellouts in March and then the first game in yeah. April. It's hard this time of year. We've seen it many many years. Once you get in the summer and even the fall, um it's probably a little easier for our ticket folks to to sell sure. out the building. But last question, what 
What are some of the other things that maybe fans ask you about that we haven't been able to address today that you just want to put out there to this vast listening audience? Millions. About <laughs> millions of billions, billions about uh, <laughs> about what's happening here with you and your crew and whether it's the practice fields, the game fields, everything else uh, surrounding RSL. Yeah, no, I'm I'm just really lucky to have such a great crew. Um, we have three other full-time guys here dustin clay and, and trey oh you can never have enough trays right yeah. <laughs> and uh Mikkel is is uh is our part-time worker as well so and then great crew out in harriman um those guys do a great job with what they have out there um other things that i get asked is just about the pattern which we kind of yeah went over um the, the dark stripes are me driving the mower towards the camera. Okay. The, the light stripes are me driving away yeah. um, from the camera. So that's what creates those different colors. Um, you know, we, we had a great time. The fans are great. The energy has been great um, in the stadium. That snow game that we had where, like, we were shoveling lines and yeah. uh, the fans were cheering for, for us was really really quite the experience <laughs> that came out of nowhere yeah so yeah. talk about the weather monitoring situation i know you and your group are probably um you know working with with leif and then yeah he's communicating to the rest of the ops to me we got pro referees involved there's people in the league involved about whether it's delays restarts the next cell coming in, resetting the clock, every yeah. lightning strike. It's just chaos. Right. Yeah, we work closely with Leif Smith, who's the VP of the building here, and and he does a great job also. Um, um, he, uh, he keeps us informed about lightning strikes. So that's what happened in that game. There's a lightning strike. I believe it's like eight miles away. If there's a lightning strike, they yeah. they delay it for 30 minutes. Yeah, it restarts that 30 minutes. Then, yeah, it restarts if there's another one. So we're just kind of waiting that time. And then it started snowing. Um, and when that does happen, um, we have to keep the lines clear. And I got a lot of questions about that after the mm. New England game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Are there rules about – because I think the perception was that when we were in New England that their grounds crew was taking care right. of their goalkeeper's box more than our goalkeeper's Right, box. which didn't really make sense because we're attacking towards that box. Anyway, um, it's my understanding that we just have to keep the lines clear. Um, Got it. For 18s, the 6s, the half, the end lines, and the sidelines. So that's what we focus on. So... Um, that's snow games are fun to have once a year and that's all I would care to have. So, <laughs> well, Dan, you're the man as always appreciate you, uh, hopping on and, and, yeah. and, and, and providing insight to those of us that, that can't get enough about, uh, the turf, the grass, the water, the lines, uh, all the particulars that go into this pitch that we love so much. So yeah. have a great, uh, game Saturday night and uh, whatever you're doing to make sure that we get the three points like we have. I think we've won 78% of games in this building Dang. since 2008, which is the most dominant home field advantage in Major League That's Soccer. Um, and it's in no small part uh, due to you guys as well and everybody else that 
contribute. So thank you. And uh, I'm sure this will set new download records for our podcast. Yes. Sweet. (laughs) Awesome. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, guys. All right, Ryan, here we are, midday Friday. We just got the results here at Rio Tinto Stadium of U.S. Soccer's Open Cup draw. Real Salt Lake drawn with the Northern Colorado Hailstorm, an expansion USL League One team. Um, They won their first Open Cup game. They basically said that was their first competitive match. Uh, they're based uh, just outside of Fort Collins, Colorado. Looks like it's not official yet as we record, but it looks like that game will be Wednesday, April 20th at Rio Tinto Stadium, probably 7 or 7.30 p.m. Mountain Time. It will be included in RSL season ticket packages. It's effectively bonus game A. You will get notification probably Monday or Tuesday in your Axis account about the opponent date, time, and your seats. Obviously, there's always going to be opportunities to buy additional seats. We'll go on sale to the general public probably this Tuesday, which I think is April 11th. And uh, hopefully we can you know get another full house and get back on that Open Cup train uh, just had a nice little chat with Pablo Mastroeni in the media after today's session before the call, uh, before the Toronto game. Obviously, it looks like um, Demir and Rubin have been cleared for additional minutes than what we saw in Colorado. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Uh, Bobby Wood, Aaron Herrera, Nick Beesler all uh, trained fully today, so that's a good sign that those guys can be available um, for some range of minutes. And uh, then in the coming weeks, and we need them before we go to New York City FC, play the Open Cup game, go to Portland, and then we're back here April 30th against the LA Galaxy, uh, it's a good time for other guys to get healthy. So Justin Glad, Johan uh, Kappelhoff, obviously um, uh, you're hoping that Rubin gets uh, into a, a larger minute capacity as well. Eric Holt and Johnny Menendez are out, uh, obviously, a lot longer due to the nature of their injuries. I think we're in the second week of basically two eight-week prognoses for those guys. So um, it's an interesting time, and and that means more opportunity for Bodie Davis, for Haziel Orozco, uh, for some of the Monarchs players that have been doing well and getting their either professional seasoning or professional debuts. we got a ton of players um, that are either on RSL contracts or Monarchs contracts uh, at the GA Cup in Dallas this week. So some of those guys might earn a chance to either be on the bench or perhaps participate in that Open Cup game on uh, April 20th. So um, the good thing, Ryan, is that everything's trending in the right direction, but who knows where it'll go. First order of business is three points at home against Toronto FC, hopefully a third straight sellout, hopefully a third straight home win on uh, what is Utah Jazz Night here in Sandy. Yeah, let me just say that like uh, being out here for training, um, I don't make it out to many many of these these days, but uh, I, I think we overuse that. Maybe we overuse this. The vibes are immaculate. I just yeah. I, the 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 way that it, the 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 mood around the team is so light and so like happy. Yeah. It's like I mean, I was sitting right behind where um, Justin Glad and Eric yeah. Holt were, you know, on their bikes, you know, walking, yeah. and it, that's not a fun place for a player to be. Right. But 
the mood was light. Players were talking to them. They were having, you know, they were engaged. Everybody was engaged. I was like, I was happy to see some other players out in the yeah. in the mix that I hadn't, I didn't know what their status was. But yeah. I mean, it just looked good. And like the players that, uh, I don't know, come if you come, if you ever make it out to an RSL training and watch some of these players that you may not see in sure. the starting eleven, like tearing it up in those, yeah. some of these drills. It's like it's. I don't know. I, I I talk about depth a lot, but like it's it's always it always gets me fired up. Well, to and see. I think they understand it's a marathon, right? So yeah, it sucks for Eric Holt to miss eight weeks when he's been improving so much every day and every week and every game, but he's going to come back and there's going to be more than half the season left. Same thing, even a guy like Zach Farnsworth, who's been dealing with ankle stuff for a year, Pablo's talking about how great he looked last preseason. He's a left-footed, left-sided center back that opens up a world of opportunity for uh, the attack once he gets you know in there. And obviously he's probably going to have to play a significant number of Monarchs games before he makes his MLS uh, debut, but we've seen all these other guys kind of get thrown in the fire and thrive, and that is because of the culture, the mentality, the vibes uh, that you witness that has been built uh, by him and by Pablo and his staff um, during their time here. So um, that is what's probably made it easier uh, to deal with uh, the roller coaster ride of all these injuries and the short off season and the stunted preseason because of travel and turf and COVID and all these kinds of things that, um, look, RSL's gotten results in five out of six games. Uh, you got the big three points in New England. You got six points previously at home. If you get another big three points uh, at home against Toronto, then you're right there at that two-point-per-game average. That's where you want to be. If this team can uh, keep that up for an extended period of time and you're getting 55, 60, 65 points on the season – um, you're going to have potentially a playoff buy and home field advantage uh, in the playoffs. And, you know, I'm a guy that loves the odd Open Cup run or CONCACAF run. The Open Cup is the best, is the easiest, simplest way to get a CONCACAF berth. Um, if you win six games in our case this year because of where us and 16 other MLS teams are entering, um, that's that's the easiest way. It's easier than winning Supporter Shield. It's easier than winning MLS Cup. It's easier than advancing to MLS Cup to get that CONCACAF berth. So uh, could be very exciting Open Cup run, and, and maybe that's going to be uh, a byproduct, a silver lining, if you will, of of having such a, a, a wide player rotation in the first six weeks of the season. I mean, having 23 guys already see the field. The beginning of the season is always good, especially when you get a lot of points. Um, but it is, you know, miles to go. And uh, I think that, I don't know, I love the way that this 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 squad is shaping up. And I think it's going to be exciting to see what Pablo does with it. And he's going to have to be creative. And that's, I think we're going to, yeah. we're really going to get the the test of like where Pablo is as, you know, a squad manager and as a tactician, the way that he handles these games and handles things like the Open Cup against, yeah. you know, lower level, you know, when he brings in the Monarchs players to play in that, that game, you know, like, He's going to see some. He's going to see some performances. He's going to see some things that are going to help the team going forward. And so I think it's there's a lot to be said about uh, what has been accomplished this season, considering how yeah. how much success there has been. But I think that uh, we are, you know, 
buckle in. We're gonna we're gonna see some some exciting things. Yeah, the last thing I want to end on is if you look at the schedule, we had three of the first five games on the road. We're in the middle of another period where you have three out of five on the road. Then we go into the next period where three out of five on the road. So nine of your first fifteen, six of your first nine are away from home. And then the schedule flips where you've got three out of five at home, three out of five at home, three out of five at home. So nine of the next 15 at home. And that's that's kind of the core, the bulk of your kind of midsummer, midseason schedule. And then the last four weeks, you alternate away home, away home. You finish up decision day here at Rio Tinto Stadium. And so Again, we don't know what the future prospects on the roster are going to look like, either with injury, with national team call-ups, red card suspensions, yellow card suspensions, all those things. But I really love the idea that as the team gets healthier, we move into a, a period where we're, we've got a glut of home games. I think at one point you've got seven home games over a 10-game stretch over nine weeks in um, – you know, from mid June to to late July, I guess, and that's just a massive opportunity to rack up a ton of points because in this league, if you put together a three game win streak, however you do it, you get nine nine points in a week or ten days or two weeks. Like you just rocket up the standings because you know they're going to be tightly compacted, and um, and that's where look every team is better at home than away, but. If this RSL team has figured out how to grind out results on the road and continue to be dominant at home as they have been since they moved into Rio Tinto Stadium in October of 2008, where you know they've 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 got the highest home points per game average in the league over that time, and they're winning 76, 78, whatever the percentage is uh, of their home games. You like the chances for that to continue under this group because of. Like you mentioned, the culture and the vibes that Pablo and his staff have cultivated. So I'm excited. I'm always a glass half full guy, as you guys know. But anyway, we love having you guys listen here to Bleeding Claret and Cobalt. Please feel free to reach out to us on social, at Claret Cobalt on Twitter, at Claret Cobalt on Instagram. You can also go to anchor.fm slash Claret and Cobalt. Punch that message button and uh, and let us know what you think. You can also uh, email us at rsltray at gmail.com. We look forward to bringing you more RSL content, more Monarchs content, certainly player interviews, coach interviews. We'll cover the academy. It's a big summer for them with the various tournaments. There are, is going to be a group of kids and coaches going over to spend time in Augsburg with our sister or cousin club, I should say, over there. And uh, just exciting times all over uh, the Utah soccer scene. And hopefully it continues with the first team and uh, translates into a nice open cup run where we can uh, have some uh, more great memories like we did back in 2013 when we hosted the final, 2015 when we got to the semi. And, uh, you know, any hardware is good hardware, and whether that's Rocky Mountain Cup, U.S. Open Cup, CONCACAF Champions League, or certainly MLS Cup and uh, MLS Next Pro Cup, uh, that's what we're looking to do. So, as always, thanks for listening. Download, rate, subscribe, share. Please try to help us grow this community. Uh, as we always say, we couldn't have done this without One Wire Fiber and our good friend Adam Sessions. Please support him and his community, either socially or in the traditional business sense, however you can in your 
endeavors in your uh, circle. So thank you. We'll catch you guys next week after hopefully a big three points and maybe a goal explosion against Toronto.